the best time of the day show. I thought we'd start the new year with a crash. That seemed like a good way of doing it. And uh, over the years, I have been involved in um, some, thankfully, minor road accidents, uh, as have friends of mine. Uh, The first time I had an accident was uh, I crashed into, of all people, my dad, which is not the way to do it, really. And what had happened was I'd left my car somewhere and he gave me a lift in his old mini traveller to go and collect it. I was following him down a country lane and uh, came to a T-junction. It was growing dusk, and I thought he'd moved away, but he hadn't. He'd stopped, and I think a car had come, and he'd, st- he'd gone to move off and stopped. So there was a, th- a satisfying thunk, and I hit the back of his... Well, the, the sort of rear, rear quarter of his, his mini-traveller, which was so old and so rusty, the back doors popped open. So we had to uh, <laughs> fix string before he could carry on any further now the problem was the car was so old that in order to have it properly repaired would cost more than the vehicle was worth and i said okay you know he says well you're paying for that because you crashed into it yeah sorry dad and uh, so he took it to the garage and they sucked it out with basically rubber suckers they sucked it back into shape and sprayed it up and it was fine for another couple of years after that the second accident was um in central london and uh, the same thing occurred, but it's around about this occasion, and I crashed into a minicab. Now, I don't think you've ever seen a minicab in London. Uh, they're mainly made up entirely of dents, really, more than anything else. So this bloke, furious cab driver, got out and went, look what you've done to my cab. Meanwhile, the fare was going, yeah, I need to get to the airport, sharpish, don't hang around. And I looked at it, and I looked at it, uh, you know, it's, no damage was done to my car. But I, I just a slight nudge. He went, look what you've done to my car. I said, all right, then which dent is mine and bloke in the cab says well i can't hang around here all day he says you're all right then gotcha that old chas and day thing got in the car and drove off and the third time was on the m25 in the rain in the rush hour where i was and this was you know that haze you get on the inside of a windscreen you need to wipe it off so you can see better i was doing that and i thought i'd stopped i hadn't i was doing about two miles an hour so clunked into the uh, range rover in front so I got out, the, got out, and the bloke got out the Range Rover and looked at the hole in my front bumper made by his tow ball and went, I reckon you've done about 50 pence worth of damage to my vehicle, mate. And I says, well, do you want some money? He says, no, I'll let you off. And that was fine. It cost me about 300 quid to have the bumper replaced. So that was really, really <laughs> infuriating. So they're the three accidents I've had. But talking to other people, they too have had some spectacular <laughs> accidents as well. A friend of mine, Lorraine, she was parked outside some flats on a on, on a slight hill and uh, just as she got to the door of the flats she was suddenly aware of movement behind her turned round she'd not applied the handbrake correctly and also the car wasn't in gear as it started to move its way down the hill down it went and all she could do is watch as this car got faster and faster and faster knowing full well it was going to hit something or somebody at some point. So she shouted, look out, look out, look out, as his car is whizzing down the hill. Eventually it comes to rest against another parked vehicle, and she was awarded with a £2,500 bill for damages because it was going at quite a lick when it hit this car. And the other, which is actually I always love because it was such a beautiful scene. My late uncle Norman, my godfather, lived in a bungalow with my uh, uh, auntie Stephanie. They were great. And they, their bungalow was at the end of a sort of cul-de-sac, which had a little bit of a roundabout at the end. So people go down round the roundabout and go back up again past their house. 
and a friend of theirs uh, came to visit uh, this elderly lady because they were pretty elderly as well uh, Uncle Norman had just finished painting and redecorating the bedroom because they've had the bungalow <laughs> and this friend of theirs as she came round the roundabout got her foot stuck on the accelerator which meant that she she came rather like you know rather like astronauts do when they sort of use the moon in order to sort of whiplash them off to sort of mars or whatever like that. so she came around this roundabout and immediately sped up with her foot stuck on the accelerator crashed through the fence across the garden of the house next door and came to rest with an almighty crash against the side of my uncle norman and auntie stephanie's bungalow with such force i may add that it cracked the wall and tore all the wallpaper inside that my Uncle Norman had just put up. But they were good Christian folk, so therefore they let her off and said that they were more concerned about her, to be frank, which is good, I said, that that's the right thing to do. Though I must admit, she never did drive again after that. Every family has traditions and it has these little sayings and things like that and it, it usually stems from some event that's taken place or somebody in the family has said something over the years and of course the moment you know you, the family get together this the all the recollections that come out and everything oh yes uh, that's oh, just the nostalgia remember the time we did so and so remember so and so when when they fell over in that puddle oh, oh how we laughed etc etc when so and so was bitten by the dog etc but with me, it was the fact that um, maybe, as a, you know, I've grown up to be a pompous adult, but maybe a small pompous child in shorts uh, with trying to seize upon things. And also because I was short, maybe it's a short man syndrome as well, trying to appear more more intelligent than, in fact, I was and am. So uh, it's that things that didn't come out quite as I intended them to do. However, normally, a fam maybe your family is better than mine. They would leave it be. But, oh, no, not my family. And to this day, half a century later, if not more, they still, there are certain things that are referred to if something pops up in conversation. We went on holiday one year when I was about six and we were heading down across Salisbury Plain and we looked out of the car window and I saw Stonehenge in all its majesty. So, knowledgeable to the hilt, because I liked history at school, I opined, ah, that's where the Druds live, rather than Druids. You have never heard such laughter in your life. And to this day, if at a moment Stonehenge appears on the news, one member of my family will go, oh, look, that's where the Druds live. You go, oh, for God's sake, it's half a century later, if not more. Give it a rest, why don't you? And the other one was going to the Boys and Girls exhibition, uh, probably at the Bingley Hall in Birmingham or whatever, and uh, they had various bits of aircraft and things like that, including a life raft which was one of these inflatable life rafts which had uh, a yellow awning on it so therefore the pilots or the downed pilots could crawl in there in the sea and it, keep the water off them and it stenciled on the, uh, the top of this canopy was the name of the aircraft which it belonged to the bow fighter which of course is uh, you know if you read your history books it's a, a famous famous aircraft i was over there i remember there's two friends of mine from school and so i looked at this and knowledgeably said ah that is from the Bew Fighter. Any time there's an aircraft on television, someone in my family will pipe up, Oh, do you think that's a Bew Fighter? It may well be a Bew Fighter. I don't know. Perhaps it's carrying druds. If you work nights, eventually it takes a toll. 
there's certain things that you know boffins are written about night working and things like that but also it, it it takes a toll and you don't really understand that it's doing so and i found after sort of 30 years of nights um the the thing i found more than anything else was i found it difficult to control my body temperature and also i would be incredibly even clumsier than normal you end up keep bumping into things and so uh, that's really the thing that uh, affected me more than anything else but uh, breakfast hosts tend to get up a bit later than i did because i was on in the middle of the night so i thought i actually had um sort of two sets of sleep once before i went to work and once afterwards so therefore that worked out about eight hours but if you're the breakfast show host you usually tend to get up about sort of four o'clock or whatever you turn up then you're you know doing other stuff so about one o'clock in the afternoon you go home and if you've got a family of course that's when the kids come home a couple of hours later and all this sort of stuff and you're trying to go to bed at seven o'clock to get a decent night's sleep before you get up and the kids are that because that's what we found when i first uh, came uh that became missing to Lester is having two stepchildren who are very young at that time it's difficult to be in bed at seven o'clock when your stepchildren actually is still up and they're running up and down the stairs shouting I hate you at one another so it's very difficult so actually I actually stayed in my flat for for years until they were old enough and uh, so I did hear the story of uh, this chap who uh, he'd been the breakfast show host on this station for years and years and years and he didn't think it was affecting him at all but he suddenly discovered that he was running low on socks I thought oh goodness sake you know, why is there no socks in the sock drawer? And his wife says, well, you don't put any out for washing. He goes, of course I do. No. You know, what they, What are you doing with these socks? Look, they're just disappearing, you know. Goes, oh, for goodness sake. Anyway, <sighs> I've had a good lunch, so I'm going to the toilet. So in at the loo, sat down, did his business, got up, wiped his ass on his socks and flushed him down the toilet. They thought, ah, that's where they're going. At that particular point, he realised, of course, for some months now, his mind twitched. And so, uh, therefore, he was using his socks as loo paper. And uh, some, I don't know if it was the same bloke. I think they took him off the breakfast show because they realised I was going mad as a result. Uh, one occasion, you set off. I talked earlier on a previous podcast. If you've not heard it, do. Uh, the one about uh, uh, the long corridor going to work. Is that It's a bit like Groundhog Day. You, have, you get up at exactly the same time. The alarm goes off at exactly the same time. Second alarm at exactly the same time. Cleaning your teeth at the same time, etc. In the car at the same time. Off you go. And on one occasion... This chap, driving along on his way to work, thought, I should have been there by now. Why am I not at work? In fact, looking at his watch, I'm going to be late if I'm not careful. And pulled over and suddenly looked out of the window and realised he was miles away from where he was intending to go. He's obviously his mind had caved in and he just driven off into the middle of nowhere. So that was someone else they realised it's probably a good idea that you have a little bit of a rest. The best time of the day show is back Monday. Please, please stay. Please stay. Please stay. The best time of the day show is a Loading Zone production. La-di-da.